0: Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, and welcome to The Backpack. My name's DJ, I'm one of your hosts, and thank you for joining me back at the canteen one of our regular segments where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. This week, our time in the book of Titus comes to a close as we have our third and final entry in our mini-series called 13, as we consider the 13 streets near our gathering place here in Shelbyville and how we can better reach the people who live there with the good news of Jesus Christ. As we wrap the book of Titus, Pastor Blake looks at chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, and we consider the question, how do we go? Let's listen in for this week's message.
1: Y'all can grab a seat. And as you do, uh, if you'll grab uh, scripture, whether it's a Bible you've got or your phone and find Titus chapter three, Titus chapter three. Typically, uh, uh, at this point in time in our worship, we would have a story. We love telling stories here at Christ Community. Uh, We believe that telling stories helps us, it reminds us of how God is working in our lives. It allows us to see what he's doing. And uh, we had one of those today, but as with, oh, I don't know, a good chunk of our church, people got sick. So uh, if you have been sick, man we lean in with you. If you are sick and you're watching at home, we are praying for you. And if you are going to get sick, <laughs> we pray that it doesn't happen to, and interrupt your Thanksgiving plans, right? But uh, all that to say, I was really excited for you guys to get to hear from David and Gigi Wheeler. Some of you guys know David and Gigi Wheeler. Um, uh, <laughs> many, many people remember Gigi as the one who told the crazy stories growing up as a missionary kid. Uh, And so she has some incredible stories to tell. But uh, they were coming because the Lord has been working in their life. And um, we've been praying, I've been praying with some of the other leaders of our church that that the Lord would begin to burden some people in our church to to think about what it looks like to do marriage ministry well in our church. And David and Gigi began to, to feel that burden with us. And uh, they were going to come and share about their heart to start a community group that uh, focuses uh, and, and helps people in this journey to have healthy marriages. And so uh, you, you're going to get it. I don't know what it's going to look like. You, you will get a chance to hear from them. But uh, we just wanted you to know that that was coming uh, around the first of the year. They're going to be looking to start a community group uh, that focuses just on that. And I don't want to steal the rest of their, their thing, but um, we are excited for that to come. It's one of several groups that are going to be starting as we get to the new year, and we want to start talking about those things now so that you can start to think about how do I, how do I sculpt my calendar around those things? How do I create margin in my life to be journeying with the people that God has here uh, at Christ Community with, with one another, all right? So uh, be on the lookout for those things. Be praying for the wheelers as they get healthy and um, be thinking of those things as we dive into the word today, all right? Uh, like I said, we're gonna be in Titus chapter three. Um, you know, as many of us prepare to spend time with extended family over Thanksgiving, and you start to think about going to, to those different meals, those different things, we can probably all think of the family member or members who struggle with long goodbyes. Okay, I'm guilty. Any, anybody, else, anybody else a long goodbyer, a long leaver? Um, you know them. These long levers. Uh, they start with some kind of subtle phrase. Well, probably ought to be getting on. Or the nod at their spouse before the question. Hon, you about ready? <laughs> it's getting late. It's getting late. You know, that's, that's the next one. Or, you know, we've just got a long trip home. Uh, or there's, here's one of my favorite. We just need to get out of their hair. We just need, you know... That's usually when you're like the last one there already anyway, right? What's, what's your go-to escape signal? You know, what, what is your thing that is kind of in, going on in your mind? Well, Here's the thing, if you're a long lever, those signals are really just the beginning of a much longer process. We know, you, you know this intuitively well, because after you give that escape to signal, you still got to say goodbye to each person individually. That takes time, you gotta, you gotta work the room and get around and make sure that each person gets their hug and their special attention. And then after that, anything that you've brought has to be gathered. So of course, you gather all these things, move them to a pile close to the door, make another sweep of the house to make sure you've got it all, and then you carry them all out to the car, and then you make another sweep of that. You know these long goodbyes, don't you? You know this process. In the wintertime, it's getting colder. You've got coats and hats and gloves to get. And then you get them on. And if you've got kids, you get all of them on the kids. And then you realize, we should probably go to the bathroom before we get in the car. Long goodbyes. Long leavers. Thanksgiving is your time to shine. Everyone else, thank God for you. Pray for us long leavers. Have mercy on us sinners. While this talk of goodbyes, because it's time for us to say goodbye to this little letter that Paul wrote to Titus. Paul is going to say goodbye to Titus, and, and, and that means that it's time for us to close our time in this little book. We've been here all fall. Uh, we've talked about, uh, we had a series we called Lynchpin. It was, it was all about God's grace, and we're gonna reference back to that here in just a little bit, and, and, and we were just reminded, man, grace is this really powerful idea, and, and it's more than just this idea that we get a free gift. There's so much packed into the gift that God has given to us. We we talked about, man, what what does it look like to to really be discipling one another in community? How how do we, knowing that we're not perfect people, how do we begin to lean in with one another to become who Christ has created us to be? And then in this this last season, this last month, we started talking about this idea of 13, and this call that the Lord seems to be placing on our church to, to really be the church where we are, the, the 13 streets around this intersection, how can we be the church here? How, how can we not only be the church here, but, but see people on these 13 streets come to know Christ and be in community with us? And so as we come to this close, right, I want us to think about Paul. I have a feeling that Paul wasn't a long leaver, Paul probably wasn't—I mean, you think about it. From the time that Jesus radically interrupted Paul's life and saved him, Paul was was mostly a Christian missionary racquetball. I mean, he was just getting hit around everywhere, bouncing from place to place to place to place. And everywhere he went, he he was leaving the marks of Jesus' grace and Jesus' mercy. He was the guy that was mission first. He was mission forward. He was full steam ahead. This guy was getting stuff done for the kingdom. And Paul's letters reflect this, right? He's always to the point. He addresses threats to the mission, whether it's false teachers or sin that the people needed to address. It's like, man, we got to take care of this. But there's another characteristic of Paul's writings that we get to encounter today. And it's these intimate, personal goodbyes. These intimate, personal goodbyes. It's because Paul knew that part of the mission moving forward, part of being able to to continue going with the mission was to care for one another deeply while we did. He knew that this mission wasn't a solo thing. like It wasn't just Paul running around doing his stuff. It was this this great team of people that God was creating as he called the body body together. And so in this letter to Titus, right, we've, we've talked about this. He's challenged Titus pretty deeply, like, hey, you got to raise up leaders. You got to teach people discipleship, teach them grace. You got to remind them that their entire life is to be on mission, building unity for my kingdom. It's like, oh, no big deal, Titus. You've just got to lead the church at Crete to do all those things. It's a little overwhelming if you start to put yourself in Titus's shoes. The last couple of weeks, as we've called our hearts and our attention to what God could do on the 13 streets connected to this intersection, God is beginning to, to kind of place that same kind of burden on us here at Christ's community. like, man, there's a lot going on in people's lives right here. I loved in my D group, uh, the guys were like, "So I'm, I'm praying for the 13 streets, and I'm believing that God could do something there. but have you ever like told us what those 13 streets are?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> that'd probably be a good idea, wouldn't it? You know great plan. shows you how much strategy I've got going on up here." And so we just wanted to put those streets on this slide. You can take a picture with your phone or something if you want to be praying for these streets by name. Uh, a Street, Coca-Cola Commons, Eastview Circle, Hazelon Drive, Highland Manor, Hilltop Drive, Johnsonville Road, Lanter Drive, Marshall Court, Marshall Lane, Skyline Drive, South Lawn, Webmont Circle. We say those names so that we can be praying for them, lifting them before God, believing that God could be doing something right here in our midst. And as we've thought and prayed about this place, we've asked the question in week one, are we ready? Are we ready for God to do something? Like, do we believe that he can? Because we realize that our readiness in reaching people didn't lie in our abilities, but rather in our belief. Do we believe that God could save people and do radical things right here around Governor's Square? Sometimes believing it is the most difficult part. Last week, we asked the question, well, if we believe it, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? And we realize that that if we just begin to move forward with this mission, if we begin to to move forward as Christians, hoping that God would save people without waiting, without waiting and praying for the power of the Holy Spirit, we're in big trouble. We're doing it on our own. And so, what are we waiting for? We're waiting on the power of the Spirit to, to rest on us. Here's what's cool He's already working. It's really messy and I love that there isn't like super strategy baked into this idea of 13 streets it's just an invitation to step into to uncertainty and unknown with God and let me encourage you all that some of y'all are waiting in with the spirit You're, you're beginning to say all right Lord help me see help me know and help me go and so it brings us to this last question that we're going to ask as we learn from Paul's goodbye how do we go How do we go? And what does it look like to care for one another as we go? Because as Paul closes his letter to Titus, in just a few verses, he teaches us what it looks like to go together on mission. Let's read from Titus chapter three, verses 12 through 15. Paul writes, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis because I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. All those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with all of you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for inspiring these words of God that you've written first to Titus, to the church in Crete, and to Christians and believers for all time. Help us to understand. Teach us, Spirit. Teach us how to go. And help us to see you moving. God, we believe that you could be doing a great work amongst us. You could be doing something new. Give us the faith and the courage and the hope to join you in it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you might have walked in today, it's your first time in Christ's community or your second or your third, or you're just trying to figure things out. Even as Kenny said, maybe you didn't want to worship. Also, just a little side note, anytime we sing Living Hope, I'm putting my section up against any other section. They got that one. So, I mean, you can try to beat them next time, but they are singers. Thank you. No matter how you walked in here today, right? Whatever you're facing... this church community wants to go with you. We want to go with you together. We want to go with you learning how we can help meet the needs in your life. And we want to go with you with grace. And those things are, those things are really important. And those are things that we see right here in these, these little last, what some people end up thinking are like throwaway verses. We see those things in the end of this letter. It it becomes the culture of going that Paul wants to create, not only with Titus, but in all the places that he's sharing the gospel. As we go, however we go, like we wanna go together. We wanna go learning about how to meet the needs and and we want to go with grace. So I wanna get right to it as we make these three observations from the text that ultimately answer that question, how do we go? And, And then the deeper question, how do we care for one another as we go? We go together. Number one, look, look back at verse 12. It says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis because I've decided to spend the winter there. Can you imagine the relief that might have come over Titus as he gets to the end of the letter and reads this verse? He's just been given an overwhelming set of tasks and things to accomplish in the church at Crete. But when he gets to the end, Paul says, hold on, hold on. I'm going to send a couple of guys to you in relief because I know this is going to be overwhelming. And in fact, when they get there, you can pull away from just a minute and come spend some time with me, the one who has invested in you, the mentor that you have had. He probably recognizes that Titus is going to need Paul to pour into him after he's poured out into all these other disciple-makers. And, and I just can't imagine the relief that it would have been to know for Titus, I'm not doing this by myself. We go together, right? It's a reminder then to us that when we go, whether that's living missionally in our workplace, whether that's sharing the gospel through other activities, whether it's everybody's sick and we're trying to figure out how to take care of each other, we go together whether we're reaching out to people on these 13 streets or we're going to Honduras next summer or we're going over to Central Asia. Wherever we go, we're going together. We always go together. You know, going together sounds really good, but we live in this world that applauds solo entrepreneurs. And because of that, sometimes we struggle to put this into practice. Like, yeah, we should go together. We should be doing life together, but how do we do that? And we're often too proud and eager to prove ourselves, to to really invite the help to think about how we do this together. And we need to remember that, that when Jesus sent out the disciples to do mission work, he sent them in pairs. We need to remember that when the church at Antioch started church planting, they sent Paul and Barnabas. This is always a thing. As we go to the streets, we have to go together. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. I mean, going together, right? Going together gives us people to process and and to celebrate wins with it gives us people to process the losses with it gives us partners to pick us up when we're running on empty or about to fall and, and to relieve us when we can't keep going whatever ministry is going to happen on these 13 streets whatever needs are going to be met they have to be met together but it's not just about these four guys right you you move into verse 14 and, or verse 13. Verse 13 talks about these guys, Zenas and Apollos. Most scholars guess that these two guys were, were probably the ones who were delivering the letter. That was how they were taking part in the ministry. And so he says to them, like, listen, when they get there with this letter, you need to, to help take care of them. Whatever they, they, we don't want them to lack anything. So diligently help them, he says. That's a good reminder for us too. that that even as we give ourselves here as a church more fully to, to seeing those right around us reached, we need to diligently help others on mission with us, our partners both locally and globally. One way that we do that every year is uh, through the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. It's, uh, it's, we're getting ready to start this season. I'm really excited about it. You're going to hear more and more about this over the next few weeks. Your kids are going to hear more and more about this. They're, they're going to have a special role in it this year. And we're excited about this. Um, th- this is uh, Lottie Moon, in case you don't know, was, a, was an early missionary to China who wrote letters back to the American church. And she wrote those letters back pleading and challenging the American churches to increase their support for international missions because there were partners, right, like Titus, who's out on Crete all by himself, like, like people who were um, like trying to d- take the gospel where it had never been before. And they needed teammates. They needed support. Last year, uh, this offering supported 3,650 missionaries who throughout the course of the year engaged with 93 new unreached people groups. Y'all, though, that is insane. This year, here's how we're gonna do it. Everything that's given the weekend of December 18th will go towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. December 18th. So be here, go to leftshave.com give, have all your online giving stuff set up if you need to, but everything given that weekend will go to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We set a goal of 7,500. I hope we crush it. We're especially fond of one young family who serves in Central Asia who have been in between teammates on the ground. And they found themselves as the only working missionaries in their city. 99% unreached. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in a city knowing that there's maybe a handful of believers within miles of you? Because they believe that we go together in this past season, when they realized that they were alone, their teammates were leaving, they called and they asked, is there someone that, that Christ's community could send to be with them in the in-between? Just spend some time with us to remind us that, we're, that we go together because of, like, I mean, we were able to, to help them do that. And, and I'm excited to, to hear more about that experience in a couple weeks. You're going to get to hear more about that experience in a couple, a couple weeks. This is just one tangible way, right? that we diligently help our friends who are journeying to the furthest places on the planet to share Jesus. Why do we do that? Because over and over and over again in the course of the church, we are reminded in the pages of the New Testament that we go together. We go together. But more than that, we go learning. We go learning. I love this line Paul pens in verse 14. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. Like, I mean, you could just write that on a ton of stuff. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. You know, it's important to remember as we read that line that our people are these Cretans, these lazy Cretan liars that we've been studying all fall. So, for these lazy Cretan liars to learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs is a really big deal. It means that people can tangibly see that God has changed them, like the person that they were is not who they are. The first step, you see, towards getting outside of yourself, towards being changed, is letting Jesus make you curious to learn about others to develop a genuine curiosity about a person and their story. That's a huge part of of how we go. We go learning. We go learning to devote ourselves to good works, learning what the needs are. We go learning the needs of the community around us. What do you need? What what do you need today? We go learning the needs of of our partners. How, How can we help you move forward with your mission? Because, man, when your mission is winning, our mission is winning. And we go learning the needs of each other and what what is pressing what is pressing on the person sitting beside you today that's keeping them from going out with Jesus like what's pressing on their life and as we learn those things that are that are pressing on them we we devote ourselves to to uh, we devote our lives to to meeting those things no matter how big or how small the need and in the and in that way scripture says we won't be unfruitful if we just keep devoting ourselves to meeting these needs, to learning what the needs are and meeting them, we won't be unfruitful. The Lord will guarantee that fruit will come from that. And so we go learning. You say, Blake, why do we say we go learning and not say we go doing good works? Let me ask you a question. Why do elevators have mirrors? It's actually a pretty interesting story. You see, when elevators were still relatively new inventions, people began complaining about how slow they were. They were filing complaints. I'm I'm waiting too long for the elevator. And, And then when you waited for the elevator door and then you waited for the actual movement from floor to floor, like it was just taking entirely too long and inside you kind of felt claustrophobic, like these elevator things were just weird. So elevator companies began asking, how can we make elevators faster? That seemed to be the right question. But they kept hitting dead ends because nothing was safe. Nothing was cost effective. And then someone in the room asked, Why don't we address what the people are thinking and feeling instead of addressing the problems with the elevator? Enter the mirror. They began to install mirrors in and around elevators, and people quit worrying about how much time was passing. And instead, they began to worry about whether or not they looked good for their next meeting. They began uh, watching others in the elevators. And they had this sense that it wasn't as scary or as claustrophobic inside the space. And before they knew it, they had arrived at their destination. Problem solved. That's why you still see mirrors on elevators today. But the moral of the story is this, right? That team attempting to speed at the elevator had to, to keep learning to understand the pressing need, the real need. The pressing need is always about the person, always about the person. You see if we just do good works without the learning we'll hit dead ends we'll become frustrated we'll feel taken advantage of and we won't ultimately meet the pressing need of those around us because you see the most pressing need in all the world is salvation in Jesus Christ Let's learn to devote ourselves to good works so that we can ultimately help meet people's most pressing need and that is a an intimate growing relationship with Jesus Christ let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. You know, one practical application of this is next weekend, uh, if, you're, if you're new to Christ's community, or even if you're not, uh, next weekend is what we call Love Shelbyville. And uh, uh, during Love Shelbyville, we go and we serve outside of here. We, we do good things, uh, but we attach the message of the gospel to them the best that we can. And, and we have to learn, and we have to keep learning to devote ourselves to those things. Sometimes it's easy to get burnt out on those things. We're actually making a change that we need everybody to pay attention to as we talk about Love Shelbyville Day. And that is that as more and more needs begin to come to us, we have to make sure that we can meet them effectively. And part of doing that is asking you guys to begin to sign up for groups ahead of time. So if you'll go to loveshelbyville.com, right there on the homepage is a link to a post where you can sign up for what group you're going to serve with next weekend. And we need you to do that. (laughs) Learn to devote yourself to good work for pressing needs because we go learning. We go together, we go learning, and we go with grace. Verse 15, Paul closes the letter. He says, all those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. And then a phrase that he uses a lot of times in letters, grace be with all of you. Always go with grace. Way back in August, we devoted several weeks to Paul's teaching on grace in this letter. It may come back to you as, as I just read this great, this great passage on grace in Titus chapter 2, verses 11-14. through 14. Paul writes, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. That's not something you sit on the shelf. That's not something that you leave behind when you go we have to go with that grace, being reminded of it again and again and again. That's why we go together. But, but more than that, it's ultimately what is on our lips as we interact with those around us who may or may not know Jesus. Our discipleship group uh, was reading in Acts 14 last week when we came across the story of, of Paul and Barnabas in Lystra. Or Lystra. And, and when they go to this city, they see a lame man who, who had faith and because of his faith they, they heal him. And he begins to, to walk. It's it's a miracle. So they, they tell him to stand up and miraculously he stands up and he walks. Well, the crowds that, that see this, they they begin to call Paul and Barnabas Zeus and Hermes. They believe that Paul and Barnabas are gods, the Greek gods come down to, to be with them. Well, that just i mean paul and Barnabas are just distraught you know they're they're here doing this this amazing thing these this good work and 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 people think that they're god so they quickly begin to share within the gospel and, and they talk about the god of creation the the one true god and and as they share this uh they they man they they just want people to know listen the one true god it ain't zeus it's not zeus Acts 14, 18 summarizes the final scene, and it's kind of sad. It says, even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. Not they were convinced that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not they repented and said, we worship the one true God. It's like, okay, if you say so, we won't sacrifice, but you're still pretty cool. You see, we have to be careful that as we learn to devote ourselves to these good works that the miracle doesn't get detached from the message. That's why we have to go with grace. Help can't get detached from the real source of hope. Good works can't get detached from grace. And because of that, we go with grace. This is is the culture of going that Paul wants Titus to have and that ultimately he wants us to have. That as we go with this great good news of Jesus, we have to go together, we have to go learning about the, the pressing needs and how we can meet them, and we have to go with grace. So, so how could Paul have captured this culture of healthy going and, and put it in the close of a letter? Like, how could, he, how could he encapsulate that and live that out? After all, wasn't this the guy who had been killing Christians, who had been ruling with an iron fist? Paul knew because this was exactly how Christ had come to him. That day on a road, road to Damascus. Jesus met him there. And anytime Jesus is there, there are actually three persons in one God. They were coming together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to interrupt Paul's life, to stop him and say, I am God. But he knew as, he, as Paul was blinded on that road that, that there was going to be some pressing needs that Paul would need to have met as he, as he learned to follow Christ. And so even in that, the, Jesus began to speak to Ananias and, and prepare Ananias to, to meet those, good need, those needs, those, those things that he needed in those days where he would learn to follow Christ. And so he came to him in that way. And in all those things, he came to him with great grace. The man who had once killed Christians and been there approving of their death. Now, sharing that good news with others. How could Paul have captured the culture of of healthy going? Only because Jesus had come to him in the same way. And the same is true for you. That's how Christ comes to you. Wherever you are, whatever season of life you're in, whatever hardship you're going through, Christ comes to you, and he comes, like, with all kinds of power. He brings a community of people not just within himself, the God three in one, but also the church. He comes able to meet your every need, and he comes with grace to forgive all of your sin. Al Shee is the, the senior editor of Christianity Today, and he writes about an experience that he had after having laser surgery to correct his vision. He said his vision had been something like 2,400. I don't know how bad that is, but it sounds bad. 2,400. And um, the surgery was able to bring his vision to 2,040. Uh, In his own words, tantalizingly close to clear vision, but still fuzzy. He said, shortly after I attended a a conference and we were worshiping. And he said, during corporate worship, he said, I was squinting to make out the, the lyrics on the, the wall that was kind of far away. And he said, in one particular session, we sang a song by, by Tim Hughes called God of Justice. And one stanza has, has these words that he would have been looking at on the screen. Live to feed the hungry. Stand beside the broken. We must go. Stepping forward. Keep us just from singing. Move us into action. We must go he said i closed my eyes as we repeated the chorus he said and i'm praying that god would direct me how might i move into action right like you you can't sing those words with a with a great body of believers and not begin to ask yourself how am i supposed to go how do i take action how do i step forward he said the song cycled back to an earlier voice Earlier verse, and he said, I opened my watering eyes. And the lyrics on the screen kind of shimmered slightly. And he said, Then the lyrics came really clearly into focus. And he's like, I, I can see. I, I can see clearly. And he said, I asked the question, Has God just healed me? He said, I, I'm, I'm blinking several times. And he said, my vision started wavering back and forth, clear, then blurry, clear, then blurry, clear, then blurry. He said, and I realized what was happening. While singing these words, I'd been tearing up. I was, I was moved by God's call on our lives to, to go, to go together, to go learning, to go with grace, to go to welcome people as Christ has welcomed us. And as that watery tear was coming into my eye, it was forming a thin layer of water on my eyeballs that was functioning like contact lenses. He said, the tears had been making my vision clear. You see, that's how Christ-centered vision works. He pricks our hearts by the call of a Savior who died on a cross for us our minds begin to be, to be set to move towards the people around us to share the good news. Like, he begins to, to man, just burden us with this idea that there are people that are in chains of, because of their sin, that there are people that, that are, man, they're, they're lost, they're confused, they're not sure what to do next, and they're waiting. They're waiting on someone to come and share the good news of Jesus and to be the hands and feet of Christ to them. He burdens us with that. And yet often there's not great clarity on how he's going to do all this. But we know that he's out there moving in people's lives. He's waiting on us to join him. It's almost as if we can see about 2040 what we're called to in this place. We can see it just enough to say, yes, we want to go. But what will it look like? We'll see Clearly. We'll see clearly in the struggle. We'll see clearly as we begin to, to weep with those who weep. Hebrews 13 13, the verse that has always served as a vision piece for Christ's community. Let us then go to him, to Jesus, outside the camp, bearing his disgrace. We forget that phrase so often bearing his disgrace, the disgrace that he fell as he went to the cross for us. The pain, the agony, the suffering of crucifixion. The disgrace that would have been on him in that moment in the hearts of so many. But as we say yes to go, we bear his disgrace. Our eyes fill with tears, joining him in the pain and the suffering of crucifixion. Bearing our cross day by day, allowing our eyes to well up with tears so that we might see him and his call on our lives clearly. It's time to go be the church. Today, as the band comes, if you're a baptized believer in Jesus, he invites you to the communion table this morning to remember his death on the cross, to bear his disgrace, and at the same time, to celebrate his resurrection three days later, the moment that his buried body began to breathe. As we remember his death, we need to remember today that that we're called to pick up our cross. We're called to, to bear his disgrace. Let's find clarity at the communion table through teary eyes of difficulty that come as we really learn how to join Jesus on the outside. And let's remember that when we go with Jesus, we go together, we go learning together, and we go with grace. But maybe some of you today, that's not where life has you. Maybe today you could cry as you think about what life has been like. You could cry as you think about the struggle that you've endured in this last season. You need that grace. Because you know, deep down, that in your life, Jesus has been on the sidelines at best. He's been an afterthought. In the place of Christ, are shame and regret and the cold voice of an enemy who, who doesn't love you. I just want to invite you today to turn from that. Turn from that and turn to him. Turn to Jesus. In this moment, give everything to him. all the things that you can't handle, and, and quite honestly, all the things that you think you can't handle, would you just give it to him today? Give it to him today. And let him give you his mercy and his grace in return. Let him remind you that he came to earth to die on a cross to save you from your sin and to restore in you the life that he intended for you. That's a life lived with him forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you for creating us in your image Sometimes as we battle the difficulties of this world and the hardships and the sickness and all the stuff going on, sometimes we forget that we are image bearers, that we reflect you to the world. We've messed that up so many times, Lord. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to us with grace and with mercy. Spirit, we pray that you would empower us and help us to bear his disgrace, to go with him wherever he would lead us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Hey, DJ again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. Uh, We hope it was helpful to you and that you're encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together, joining Jesus in going outside. Uh, If you're a part of Christ Community, hey, let's let's lean into this. Let's not let this just be an academic exercise, but let's apply what we've heard today. How can you be applying this truth in your life this week? If you're not part of the Christ Community family, we're glad that you joined us, glad that you found us, and we hope that, uh, that this message was helpful to you as well. One encouragement we would give you, if you're not part of a local church, uh, please don't use these resources as a substitute for that. It is a pale imitation of the real thing as we live in community with one another. So if you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in an experienced Christian community as it was meant to be and continue to use these resources to supplement that journey. But please don't replace it. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack and I will see you on the trail thanks for listening to the backpack a production of christ community church the backpack is hosted by dj williams daniel bright and josiah ward you can learn more about christ community church at loveshelbyville.com